And this morning we're going to carry on on the same subject of, of divine healing. And we're looking at healing, particularly we were looking at healing, which is a part of the atonement. The atonement is basically, you know, what, what Christ accomplished for us through his death on the cross. And in Isaiah chapter 53, I mean, that is just, it's an incredible chapter. It's an amazing chapter. Probably one of the, the great chapters of the Word of God. But um, it's, it's just an awesome, awesome chapter. Because Isaiah, he was a prophet. He lived over 700 years before Jesus came to earth. And yet, he prophesied, and in Isaiah 53, he prophesied in detail of what the sufferings that the Lord Jesus Christ went through. And this is 700 years before, before it all happened. I mean, you know, the word, no other book can do that. The word of God is God, God breathed. It's God's, it's God's book. It's an awesome book. There's no other book like it on the face of the earth. It is divinely inspired. And Isaiah speaks of the, the suffering servant, speaks of Jesus, all these years before he came to earth. And it was the same chapter, Isaiah 53, was the same chapter that the Ethiopian eunuch, he was reading that chapter in, in Acts chapter 8. We read about him, and he was the one who, who first went to Ethiopia and brought the gospel to, to Ethiopia. But he was reading, but he did not understand the words that he was reading. And he was, you know, reading, all we like sheep have gone astray, and, and uh, how the, the, the Lord did not, as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. You know, speaking prophetically of, of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit directed Philip, the evangelist Philip, to explain to this Ethiopian eunuch, explain to him about the suffering servant, how that Jesus died on the cross, and opening his eyes to see what, Isaiah 53 meant, and, 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 and then he had the privilege of leading him to the Lord and then baptizing him as well. And so in this, in this wonderful chapter, Isaiah 53, we see, not, we see not only did Jesus die for our sins, but he also died on the cross for our sicknesses and diseases. And this term, you know, the atonement, healing in the atonement, the term atonement is, is used for, for what Christ accomplished for us by his sacrificial death on the cross. And the book of Isaiah, it's kind of like a mini Bible. It has two main sections, just like our Bible has two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it has two, two, two main sections. Chapter 1 to 39 is, speaks about the... Chapter 1 to 39 speaks basically about judgment and condemnation. Whereas chapter 40 to chapter 66, which are the 27 books of the New Testament, that speaks about consolation and comfort mainly. And Isaiah 53... It, it's the very centre, it's the centre chapter of that second se section. 
So the thought of the cross being right at the very heart, the very center. And in this chapter, this wonderful chapter, 53, we see the, the vicarious suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't because of his sins. He was the sinless son of God. He died for us. He died on behalf of our sins so that we could be delivered from sin and we could be forgiven of sin. So his suffering was for us, for our sins. And in this precious chapter, in this precious chapter, we see two divine exchanges. And the first divine exchange is we see that his punishment, we see he was punished so that we could receive forgiveness. The punishment came on Jesus, but as a result of that, as an exchange, we receive forgiveness of sins. And in verse 6, Isaiah 53, verse 6, it tells us that the, and this is what the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, uh, all, all we like sheep, or we like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him, has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And if we go back to verse 5, verse 5, he was wounded. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. In other words, he went through those wounds on the cross for, for our transgressions or for our sins. The chastisement of our peace. That word chastisement basically just the, the punishment. The punishment of our peace was on him. And with his stripes, with his stripes we are healed. With his, we could say, with his stripes we are healed, with his wounds we are healed, with his, bru with his bruises we are healed. As long as sin has not been forgiven, we can't, have, we can't have peace with God. God will never make peace with sin. The wages of sin is death. All right? The punishment, the wages, the result of sin is death. And that death is not just a physical death, that death is eternal death forever and ever and ever. That is the wages for sin. But we know that that the free gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ. And Jesus paid that penalty for us at Calvary. And when Paul writes to the Romans, he, 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 chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus, who had never sinned, and he was the sinless son of God. You know, Jesus prayed these words at Gethsemane just before he went to the cross. And he said, Lord, Lord, let this cup pass from, from me. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will, your will be done. That's in Luke 22 and verse 42. And... What happened then is an angel came and an angel strengthened Jesus and Jesus prayed under a tremendous burden of intercession very earnestly and it was so intense that the, his blood vessels broke 
and literally his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And that's what the scriptures tell us in Luke 22, 43, and verse 44. And then, you know, on the cross, when Jesus was hung on the cross, we know at, the, at 12 noon, at the sixth hour, you know, there's a darkness that came over all the land. And we know the words of, of the Lord Jesus. He cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. It was in the, Araba- the Aramaic language. You know, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And at that, you know, what had happened is when Jesus drank of that cup, our sin, the sin of the world, was placed upon Jesus. He became sin. And because God is a holy God, there had to be a separation from the Father. And, he, and, he, and Jesus, from the innermost being of his spirit, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that was even a greater suffering, if you can imagine it, than even the terrible physical suffering that Jesus went through on the cross. Jesus had become sin. So that meant that he was separated from his father. That's in Matthew 27, verse 46. But the Apostle Paul tells us, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, he has made him to be sin for us. In other words, God made Jesus to be sin for, for us so that we could be saved. Jesus, who knew no sin, he became sin for us. And so there's a divine exchange. Jesus became sin. We take on his righteousness that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. I mean, what a, what a glorious exchange that we have. Righteousness is imputed to us, and God looks at us the moment we repent of our sins and receive Christ and, and are saved. God looks at us as if we have never sinned. And you know the Bible word for that is we're justified, justification. And so there's a divine exchange. His punishment for our forgiveness and our righteousness. But in that same chapter, chapter 53 of Isaiah, there's another exchange. And it says there, there's a second exchange, and there's an exchange of his stripes for our healing. That song we often sing, by his stripes we are healed. We're healed by the stripes of Jesus. And in Isaiah 53 and verse 4, and it's a very significant verse, and it says there, Surely, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him smitten, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Surely he has borne our griefs. That, that word griefs is not a good translation of the Hebrew word, and that word griefs 
It comes from a, a Hebrew word, chali, ch- ch- and it means, simply means, it means sickness or it means diseases. And it, it's got that, it's got that correction, what, it, what the literal meaning in the margin of my Bible, sicknesses, diseases. And so really a better translation would be surely he has borne our sicknesses. He's borne our sicknesses, he's borne our diseases. And then the second part says, and carried our sorrows. Carried our sorrows. And sorrows, that's a Hebrew word, makob, and simply it means, a better translation than sorrows, it means, it means pains. And it's also got pains in the margin of my Bible, probably has in yours as well. So basically it's saying, surely he has borne our sicknesses and diseases and carried our pains and carried our pains. And so Isaiah was saying that Jesus was wounded physically that we might be healed physically. So he's speaking about physical healing in this verse. And he's prophesying, Isaiah's prophesying, 700 years before Jesus came to earth, that Jesus had come to heal diseases, to heal our sicknesses. And was saying that Jesus was wounded physically, that we might be healed physically. Now, God wants to heal our spirit, soul, and body, but a physical is a part of that. And notice the first word of that verse. It says, surely, surely, surely. In other words, definitely. This will, will definitely have surely. And it's the only time this word is used in chapter 53. And it's speaking, yet surely, surely. It speaks of emphasis. And what does it precede? It's immediately preceding his provision, the provision of Christ on the cross for our healing. And so this is a very strong statement of our redemption from sickness and pain by the atoning death of Jesus. And also that word, that word in that first, first, few li- the first line, surely he has borne our griefs. He has borne or born our sicknesses. And that word for born, it's a Greek word, a Hebrew word, nasa. And it means to carry, to carry or to bear, to carry or to bear. And it's going back to the Old Testament book of Leviticus. It's a, it's a Levitical word. And when it talks about the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16, they had to, they had to take two, two goats and they killed one, one goat, and they would have to, the high priest, he would go into the Holy of Holies. It only happened once a year on one day, and that was the Day of Atonement, and they would sprinkle that blood. And then they would, the high priest would lay hands on the live goat, on, on the live goat. And it would be like there'd be a transference, a transference of the sins of the people to that goat. And then they let, and then and then a, a man would take that goat and take him to a faraway place out in the wilderness and let let the go, let the goat go. And like it was a transference of sins from, so the people's sins were placed on that that scapegoat, and then he was released. And it's like 
he has borne our griefs. It's like Jesus has become, you know, like that scapegoat. He, he has carried our sicknesses. They've, they've been laid. They've been laid upon him. He has carried them. And, and that, 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 that goat would, would bear away, take away the sins of the people. Now, in the Old Testament, they had to do it every year. It covered their sins. But in the New Testament, Jesus is the priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he not only covered our sins, our sins have been taken away. Our sins have been blotted out. Our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And so he has borne, surely, surely, definitely, he has, he has carried away our sicknesses and diseases. He's carried our, 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 our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken. He was struck, smitten of God, and afflicted. And at the end of verse 5, at the end of verse 5, it says, And with his stripes, we are, the last, verse, last few words in verse 53, With his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. His stripes, his wounds, his bruises. It is clear that on the cross, healing was obtained for us. And when Jesus was scourged, I mean, he was, got that whip. He was beaten 39 times. They were allowed to beat them. And in John 19, in verse 1, then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And this scourging, it was done, it was done before capital punishment in order to increase the suffering of the conde condemned. And Cicero, who lived about from about 100 to 43 BC, he was a Roman writer and politician, and he called scourge, scourging the intermediate death. I mean, it was so, so terrible, the intermediate death. And scourging, it was, it was such a cruel and painful act that no Roman citizen could be scourged, no matter what their crime was. And the, the criminal would be just stripped of their clothing, and his bare back was beaten with a whip, which had several leather thongs, with small pieces of bone or metal embedded into them. Imagine that, just being whipped and whipped with leather whips with stone and bits of metal, you know, within them. And uh, this description of scourging indicates that the back was flayed to such an extent that the arteries often were laid bare and only 39 stripes could be administered. And, you know, sometimes even then, um, the, the, the victim would be killed. And the victim's back became a, a bloody mess of torn flesh. And so terrible was the torture that many would faint and die from the wounds afflicted by it. And Jesus went through that for us, for our salvation, for our forgiveness of sin, so our sins could be forgiven, and so we could be healed. And so terrible was this torture. I mean, a terrible torture. In fact, a vision a certain pastor had. The pastor said that Jesus was tied by his wrists to a pole in such a way that he could, his feet could barely touch the ground with his toes. And then a fearsome Roman soldier welded the whip with hateful fury and anger, delighting in the pain he was afflicting upon the Saviour. And then with devilish pleasure... He dragged the whip through the dust after each stroke. The pain was so intense that the Lord's body literally curled up 
after each stroke of the whip. The scourging of Jesus was ordained. It, it was ordained even in the wisdom of God to fulfill scripture. It's been prophesied about. In Psalm 129, verse 3, it tells us there that the plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. And that's what happened. Jesus was, was beaten with those stripes. Jesus endured this excruciating pain so that we would receive healing. For by his stripes, by his stripes, Isaiah said, by his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 50 in verse 2, it says of Jesus there, prophetically, 700 years before it happened, I gave my back to the smiters. I gave my back to the smiters. Now let's look now at Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him in the purposes of God, to outwork the purposes of God. And it says, he hath put him to grief. He hath put him to grief. And actually the literal meaning of grief there is sickness, is sickness. And a better translation would be he had put on him. God has put on him sickness. In fact, there's one translation by Dr. Young's literal translation. It translates it like this. It, it says... He has, he has laid on him sickness. In other words, God the Father has laid on God the Son, Jesus, on the cross, sickness. He'd never been sick in his whole life. But on the cross, as he hung on the cross, our sicknesses, the sicknesses of the world, were laid upon him, just in the same way the sin of the world was laid on him so that we could be forgiven. The sicknesses, our sicknesses were laid on him so that we could be healed. And he hath put him to grief. He has laid on him sickness. And it seems that after Jesus drank that cup, which represented the sin of the world, that our sicknesses were literally laid upon Christ. In Psalm 38 and verse 7. It, it's what happened in the life of David, but it speaks prophetically also of the Lord Jesus. And it says, For my loins are filled with a, loath a loathsome disease, a terrible disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. So Jesus became sin for us that our sins could be forgiven. That's the first exchange. But then Jesus became sick and full of disease for us that we would receive physical healing. That is the second exchange. So that's, why, that's why, you know, the psalmist says, Psalm 103 in verse 3, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, all our diseases. In Matthew's Gospel, you know, the first few chapters, chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus speaks the, the wonderful teaching of the, the Sermon of the Mount and so many you know, wonderful truths. But then immediately after that, in Matthew 8, Jesus begins healing. 
In fact, something like a, a fifth of the ministry of Jesus is the healing ministry of Jesus and related discussion, you know, relating to that. And in Matthew chapter 8, he, you know, he, he heals a leper and then he heals the, the, the servant of a centurion and then, then Peter's mother-in-law has a fever and Jesus prays for her, heals her. And, and then after that in Matthew 8, he, Jesus himself, he goes back to Matthew, to Isaiah 53. And so in Matthew chapter 8, there's those three, three healings that take place. And then, and then in Matthew 8, verse 16 and verse 17, Matthew 8, 16, 17, it says that when, when the evening was come, they brought unto Jesus many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the, the spirits, the evil spirits, the demons, with his word. And then it says, and Jesus healed all that were sick. He didn't just, he didn't just receive one or two. He, he healed all, everyone that was sick. In fact, you know, through the Gospels, I can't find anybody who came to Jesus for healing and was not healed. Now, I know in some cases just Jesus just healed one, but I can't find a case where somebody actually requested Jesus for healing and was not healed. And a number of passages in the gospel just put it like this, like this one. And healed, he healed all that were sick, all that were sick. And then in verse 17, it says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And so Jesus himself is quoting what Isaiah said 700 years before saying, himself, speaking of Jesus, took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses, and bear our sicknesses. And it doesn't say griefs there, it translates, translates it correctly, sicknesses. So verse 17, verse 17, Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 53, verse 4, and he obviously speaks of physical healing, since he refers to infirmities and sicknesses. And when the Apostle Peter is speaking about the healing ministry of Jesus, this is after the cross. This is, you know, many years, maybe 80 years or more after, or no, maybe about 30, 50, maybe about 50 years after Jesus died on the cross. And, and Peter says in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. By whose stripes you are healed. So he, by whose stripes you were healed. Notice that is in the past tense. And this is because it's after, it's after Isaiah 53. It's after Jesus has died on the, died on the cross and so Peter, he does not say, he does not say, by whose stripes you will be healed, or he does not say, by whose stripes you are healed, but he says, by whose stripes you were. It's past tense. You were healed. And so Apostle, the Apostle Peter is looking back. He's looking back to Isaiah 53. Peter does not say, you know, you will be healed, or you, 
But he says, or, or you will be healed, or you are healed, but you were healed. In other words, as far as God is concerned, it was already done. And when Jesus said, it is finished, John 19.30, it was finished. Provision made at Calvary, not only for forgiveness of our sins, the first exchange, but for our healing. And now, as I mentioned last week, we all understand that there's, there are mysteries concerning healing. And it is very true. It is true. Very many godly people have suffered physically in their body. And that, that, I mean, that, 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 is, that is a simple fact. I don't know all the answers. But we can say what we do know, and we do know what the scripture teaches, and the, the, the overwhelming tenor of scripture is not only Jesus forgives sins, but Jesus is our, our healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the, the Lord, our doctor, the Lord, our, phys, our physician. And, you know, we're to, you know, sometimes, okay, we don't see the results straight away, but God wants us, I believe, to not give up, not get discouraged, to keep pressing in, to, to keep looking to the Lord. And even faith for healing, I mean, even that, we can't, even, that's a gift. We can't even work that up ourselves. But we can pray that God would, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And as we hear the word of God and know the word of God and the word of God becomes, to, you know, a part of us, God can quicken his faith within us to trigger off or to release that healing virtue. But, I mean, Jesus, forgiveness of sins, healing for our bodies are often linked together. I mean, when Jesus healed the paralyzed man, and these four guys, they, they, they came to where Jesus was, and their friend was there. He was on a stretcher. They couldn't get in the building. And they, you know, they were not going to take no. They were not going to be, be stopped. And they start ripping up the roof. And, and it says Jesus saw their faith. He saw it he could, by their actions. And they lowered him down. And then Jesus said to, the, said to, said to the, the man who was not able to walk, Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you whether that's what he wanted to hear or not. But he, he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And all the scribes, the Pharisees, they murmured about him. Who can forgive sins but God? But then Jesus said to him, arise, take up your bed and walk. And a miracle happened. He was healed. He, immediately he rose up and he walked. And so his sins were forgiven. His body, he was healed. And the two divine exchanges took place. Now, in the Gospels, often healing is suddenly. And, and sometimes it's suddenly today. Sometimes God will, will do it. I, I remember one time I was in El Salvador. It was in 2004. I was praying with a boy, and he had a build, big built-up shoe. And was, so we, we took the shoe off. And one foot came to one foot came to about there, and the other foot came there. And you know, I prayed, and just right in front of my eyes, I, I mean, I saw it. It just literally grew to the same size as the other one. Now, I prayed for others, and nothing's happened. But God is a miracle-working God, and 
Jesus is the, is the great physician, and by his stripes we are healed. And, you know, sometimes, in fact, often, as people pray and keep praying and don't give up, you know, that healing came, that, that, healing, that, that healing comes. And I can remember a certain lady in New Zealand, and she was, she was uh, in the church there, and she had this bowel, bowel problem. She wasn't able to digest food. She was hardly eating anything. She was coming, became really thin. But every Sunday, she wanted to be anointed with oil. And that went on for, that went on for several months. But then one day, suddenly, she was healed. And, you know, but, but it, didn't, it didn't happen just straight away. It, it happened, you know, over a lo- quite a long period of time. But she kept pressing in. She kept pressing in. You know, sometimes we can't, we can't put God in a box. I mean, his ways are not our way. His ways are higher than our way, ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But, you know, God is a, is a, is a, is a, is a mighty God. Even Jesus on one occasion... The first time he prayed, the person was not healed. And that was the blind man in, 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 Acts, in Mark chapter 8. And, and Jesus, he was in Bethsaida, and Jesus took him out of the city, the town, before he prayed. Now, it doesn't say it in Scripture, but, why, but it does say that that was a sinful town, and they were, there was unbelief in that town. And it was almost that, just like Jesus couldn't, could not heal in his hometown because of their unbelief. It was like in this town, Bethesda, Bethesda it, it could not, they, he could not heal because they were full of unbelief. So Jesus took the man outside of the town and then he prayed for him. He laid hands on him, he prayed for him, but, but his sight was restored a little bit. He said, I, I see men, but they're like trees walking. He was not properly, properly healed. So then Jesus laid hands again and prayed for him the second time, and then the second time he was, you know, perfectly, perfectly healed, perfectly healed. But, you know, God, God, and what I'm trying to say is just because you haven't got healed instantly, don't give up. Keep pressing in. Keep looking to the Lord and believing God. I remember in New Zealand there was one Chinese lady. We had a, one of the leaders in the church was a relative of his, and I was asked to go and pray for this lady. And I went to the hospital, and she was in ICU, and, and it was in a car accident, and oh, you were just totally, tubes were going everywhere, and, and she was right on, right on the verge of death, and all kinds of things. Three, op- three surgeries had gone on, and, and she was just hardly, you know, hardly alive. And we, we prayed, anointed with oil, nothing happened. And she was in that ICU unit for more than two weeks. And so two weeks later, they thought she was going to die. So they asked me to come again. I went again, prayed, and anointed her with oil. And then we had coffee afterwards down in the cafeteria, the hospital. And they were talking about the, it was all in Chinese, but they were talking about the funeral arrangement. And, and, uh, and then we got to ask me to take the funeral for them. And so... Uh, this was going on, but then apparently, then the the and we, we anointed with oil a second time. But then the the lady she opened her eyes and she sort of became conscious. And then it didn't happen immediately. But then a week or so later, then she got released from the ICU unit. She got got into another room, 
and she was there several more weeks, and 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 then she was, you know, eventually able to get, able to go home, and she was healed. But it didn't happen just bang. No, it was a it was quite a process process of you know process. The, the whole thing took quite a while, and so you know the Lord. The Lord is faithful, the Lord is the healer, and we should not give up and keep pressing in and believing God because it is clear from Scripture healing is in the atonement just as, just as forgiveness is in the atonement. So what I'm going to do for those who would like prayer again, if you've got a healing, or I'm going to invite you again as we did last week and anoint with oil. And uh, if you don't feel to come, that's fine, no problem at all. But if those of you who would like prayer for healing or, or some, some other thing you're, you're crying out to God about, we invite you to come to the front and we'll be praying for you.